Training this morning are the operations of the Putnam County Circuit Court Clerk's Office. There's so much going on in what office, that office day in and day out. This morning I'm joined by Jennifer Wilkerson. We will discuss the different courts, jury duty, passports, and the growth of the office. Good morning, Jennifer. Good morning. Thank you for being here. Thank you. It's, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm glad you are. Uh, just a few days, you will have served one year in office as the Putnam County Circuit Court Clerk. And a lot has happened in Putnam County for the county and for your office. And we'll discuss all those things. And I want to discuss some of the good things uh, that you look forward to in the future. But before we venture into all that, I always want our listeners to know who exactly their officials are and where they come okay. from and why they chose to run for office. And I'll, I think it's important for them to know the experience you bring to the office and your career before becoming a circuit court clerk and the impact you had on your community. So start with that. What made you decide to run for circuit court clerk? You know, it was a tough decision for me. I, my history has been in the nonprofit world for some time, and, and we'll get into that, I think, in a few minutes. But I I, I need to stay active. I need to be relevant. I, I really enjoy learning and doing new things and also being able to be a part of things in the community and helping people. So I had spent about 20 years in the justice system in some capacity. Um, my kids are getting older, and I needed to do something else. My job had sort of taken a toll on my body and on my brain, um, but I needed to be relevant, and I needed to something that would challenge me. So uh, several of my friends and people in the justice system had spoken to me about, you know, the opening that may come available. Miss Marsha Boris wasn't running again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought about it and prayed over it for a while, and it, it really just sort of spoke to me. I, it made sense to me that, that my background sort of led me in that direction. Public service is a part of you. It is. And I speak about public service almost every episode because that is part of what we do, uh, you and I both and the people I've had on and the people I'll continue to have on, public servants, local uh, leaders, some state leaders we hope to see. But it's a passion. So you saw an opportunity. And the circuit court clerk, not just because it was the only vacant position, but you had knowledge you had experience with the court system you knew the judges you knew a lot of the attorneys so it was really ideal for you it is and I think it's important to have that background and that understanding the foundation Uh, and I certainly had that foundation so I could bring a lot of the aspects of the things that I had learned in the past and bring that to the new job um, and be able to, to move forward now there were that's not to go without saying that there weren't a lot of things that I still needed to learn right so before September 1 2018 what was your career before that and and we don't want to state your age you're young uh, we're <laughs> near age so I'd like to think we're young but uh, even college and right after college where did you start you know in my 20s I started at Cooble City Police Department and which is where I actually met my husband and that's interesting because we both attended Cooble High School we both were uh, raised here in Putnam County uh, and the to know that we'd gone to school together and really didn't know each other that well. But my husband and I met at Cooble Police Department. I was a dispatcher there. He was a dispatcher at the time, and he later went on to the road. And at that time, when he went on to when the road to be a patrol or in patrol, I had decided, you know, one of us needed to have a normal job where we could raise children and have a family. Right. Uh, and so I left the police department and took a position at the district attorney's office. Okay. Now, how long, how long were you at the district attorney's office? Um, you know, it was just a few years. It was sort of a brief period, um, but but it was just intervention, divine intervention for me, really. And I don't think I knew that at the time. But at that time, General Bill Gibson was the DA, and he allowed me the opportunity to – he had started to share ideas about how difficult it was to prosecute child abuse cases. Now, I was in the child support division at that time at the DA's office, and he said, you know, we – 
he had some of his victim witness coordinators uh, had were looking into it and saying it was just really, really difficult for the victims and for the families uh, and for those kids moving forward. So he asked me to look into it, see what we could find. And we did some research, and there were these places called child advocacy centers. So when I came back to him and said, you know, I've looked at these, the child advocacy centers, I think this is the vision. I think that some of the victim witness coordinators are right. This is where you need to go in this area. Um, and I was really fortunate. He gave me the opportunity and the leeway to work with a task force of people to start a child advocacy center here. This is trending. I'm Ben Rogers visiting with Putnam County Circuit Court Clerk Jennifer Wilkerson. When you research the child advocacy centers, the CAC, some people like to call it, what was the nearest one to Cookville? Do you remember? I believe at that time the nearest was in Chattanooga. It may, wow. may have been Knoxville. but So you and General Gibson discussed this. It was your vision, and you wanted to start something here in Cookville. And I'm sure the idea started within Putnam County, but you wanted to branch out to the Upper Cumberland. I did. Yeah. How, how was that process? Well, it's really difficult, right? You're a nonprofit. You don't have any money. And you're, how do you, when we, this task force team looked at what we were going to do and how we were going to serve victims, we decided that it was best to start off slow. And so when we started looking at the group that we were going to serve, uh, the judicial district here for the district attorney's office, they're sort of laid out uh and this is the largest judicial district, the 13th judicial district. Right. We are the only the only judicial district that encompasses seven counties. So that's challenging for us. And we just at that time, the task force looked at it and said, how do you turn these kids away from other counties? Right. So the idea was, let's start local here, Putnam County. Uh, but we certainly didn't want to turn any of those other kids away. And that just sort of spiraled and grew and grew and grew. How long were you director? 16 years. 16 years. So 16 years at the Child Advocacy Center, your vision came to fruition. Uh, you had a lot of help, I'm assuming. I did. There were a lot of great folks. How did the funding process work with that? Because that's something I've actually never asked you. You and I are friends. We talk. I've never asked you about that. How how does that work? You're not Like you said, you're a nonprofit. You have this vision. You want to make an impact on not only Putnam County, but the counties around it. What do you start doing to get money in to provide those services and help those children? It's a lot of building relationships, going out, sharing your vision, talking about your passion, what you think you can do for the kids in the community. Um, and, and I'm going to tell you, I was really fortunate when we were out sharing the vision, talking with other people and building relationships. I had very few people who turned us away. Um, so we were able to secure grant funding, some money from the state, and then um, – individual grants for like corporate sponsors and things like that but we also had a lot of help from the community and counties and cities i'm sure made contributions when they could we did yeah we and again we tried to focus on all the surrounding counties that we that we provided assistance to some of those counties weren't really able to provide financial uh, support uh but but most of them tried to do something in some capacity so you started in your 20s uh with city of Coville? Police Department that gave you right then a criminal justice experience or law enforcement experience uh, and seeing how patrol and how arrests work and then the court process. Then you go to the Child Advocacy Center. You build those relationships with, I'm sure I'm assuming judges, attorneys. So you didn't walk in the circuit court clerk's office just brand new and inexperienced with no idea how to run it. Those relationships you built and you don't have to mention names. But I'm sure they're judges. Has that helped you in the first year, circuit court clerk? 
Well, I think any time that you have a relationship with people and that you're able to communicate effectively or appreciate each other's position, it's helpful. Um, so I'll start there. But those relationships that I built over that last 20 years of being in the system were in so many different um different agencies, different venues. And it, it really, I don't think I even realized at the time how much it would really help me in the future. So uh, I learned a lot from a lot of those different positions. And that has, you know, helped me the most probably in my job now as circuit court clerk is learning how to problem solve and what's working well, what's not working well, and where do we need to go from here? And though it, talking to those judges and attorneys, they trust you. So I hope so. You're right. And so <laughs> you've been elected and it makes it easier on them too. They know somebody that's familiar with the thing, the way things work. They know your integrity and character so they can trust and depend on you. So that makes this whole thing work. And not only in Putnam County, other counties that have the same situation. Uh, I see it oftentimes where in my job uh, at UT uh, where people run for office, they may not have any prior experience. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the case for you. So that's good. So we, ladies and gentlemen, Putnam County, we have somebody that was experienced that got elected, and we, we hope she continues to want to serve. So let's talk about that office. Um, it's a big office. It's the biggest office, other than the schools with their employees and the highway department. And the general fund budget, and we've talked about on the show before, where the sheriff's office, trustee, registrar deeds, your office, county clerk, assessor, county mayor's office, you're the biggest employer other than the sheriff's office. Mm-hmm. And... How many employees do you have? Well, I have positions for 26. So some of those are part-time positions, uh, and but, but the majority of those are full-time. And so you're at the Justice Center, in case uh, people don't know where she's located, at the Justice Center, which is, encompasses the jail and the sheriff's office and your office and Linda Reader, the clerk and master, and all the courtrooms. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a nice facility, a big facility. We've discussed the uh, moving forward and the progress with uh, maybe a newer building or adding on. And we'll get to your office space later. But you have 26 positions. You have how many courts are we? Are you clerking every day with your employees? Well, we manage nine courts. So we manage the circuit court clerk manages all of the courts uh, in Putnam County except for Chancery. And so Miss Linda Reeder does Chancery Court. So those courts, criminal, general sessions, one and two. Well, it is. So that's the name of the courtrooms. You have general right. sessions, that's civil and criminal. Right. And then you have uh, general sessions traffic, general sessions domestic, which would be your divorces. You also have your circuit courts, which are circuit criminal and your circuit civil side. And then you have juvenile probate and I have mental health court. Wow. That's a lot of courts. And I know that not all 26 employees are in the courts, actually, when they're working. And we'll get into some of that operation, too, as well. But you have individuals assigned to those courts. It's not like everybody walks in every day confused on what they're doing. You you know who's going to which court. You are listening to Trending. I'm joined by the Putnam County Circuit Court Clerk, Jennifer Wilkerson. We are discussing the different functions of that office. Stay with us. Trending now in our local justice system, there are several different types of courts. General Sessions, Circuit, Criminal, and Chancery. Today we're visiting with Putnam County Circuit Court Clerk Jennifer Wilkerson to discuss some of these courts and the other functions in our office. Those other functions. There's a lot that goes on there, and, and I, luckily I haven't had to come over there for personal reasons <laughs> yet. I hope I don't have to. Yeah. But in my role as consulting, uh, I used to consult with Marsha when she was in, and then I helped Miss Reader as well. I've helped you uh, try to, and I think we've we've developed a good working relationship and I've tried to help you with answers, so I've been over there some, and it's a busy place. It is a busy place. There's not ever a time that I walk in and there's nobody standing at the window. <laughs> uh, and so, speaking of the windows, how many windows do you have serving citizens um, well throughout? 
So I have five windows that are open to the, the citizens where individuals will come in. They may make payments on their cases or ask questions or things of that nature. And, and those citizens making payments on cases, which they're fines and fees set up by the statutes. That's and, correct. And so for whatever's happened, they come in and pay fines and fees. And that's actually part of county government's revenue. Um it's not expected that your fees bring in enough to pay for your office. That's kind of a wishing well, because uh, not everybody pays their fines and fees. Right. That's, I, that's I, right. I know the outstanding amount of fines and fees out there is a big amount. It's a big number. But you have four people for uh, all the courts except juvenile, and then you have one taking payments. That's just one function your office does is actually receipt money for cases they're paying on. Uh, and they do ask questions. Now, everybody needs to know you're not allowed to give legal advice. Correct. We're not attorneys. That's right. You're not attorneys. And even if you had an attorney employed in your office, they're still not allowed to give legal advice based right. on the Tennessee Code annotated, based on the job description or the office description of your office, which is laid out in the Constitution. So don't go to the circuit court clerk's <laughs> office looking for legal advice. Um, so what are the other functions your office provides? You know, it sounds very simple when you look at what the duties are of the circuit court clerk, but in actuality, it's very it's it's complex. There's a lot that goes on there, and what we are charged with the responsibility by law is to maintain the court records. That's our primary responsibility. Um, we're also going to I administer oaths. Um, so if we have different things that are coming in, I may I give oaths. I witnesses that are on the stand to testify, I'll give those oaths. And the deputy clerks, we issue subpoenas, we issue arrest warrants, writs. All of those things come out of our office. Uh, and of course, again, a big part of that is collecting the court costs or those fines and fees that come in. That's a lot going on. So, twenty-six positions. Do you have all positions filled right now? I do. Ha I do have all positions filled. Actually, That's yes. That's good. So, twenty-six positions. Uh, you have four at the windows, five at the windows. I'm sorry. At least twenty-one, twenty-two out in either office or in the court. So, for example, uh, in a in general sessions court, do you have one in there as clerk clerking in that court? Or do you, how does that rotate? How do you rotate your people in those courts? So we look at general sessions and it's again divided up in your civil and your criminal, uh, and then traffic is a little bit different in your domestic, that being your divorce cases. Um, and we have multiple deputy clerks in all of those courts. So in general sessions criminal, there are three deputy clerks. There is just a very high volume. It's a very fast paced court. There's a lot going on. These are misdemeanor cases or cases where people have just been recently arrested. They're coming up in front of the judge uh, in just a number of hours after that arrest has taken place. So things are moving very quickly in that court and there's a high volume. So we have three that are assigned to, to General Sessions Criminal. Um, alone. Now, General Sessions Domestic, which is the divorce cases, we have one deputy clerk in there. One of our clerks handle uh, tr all the traffic cases that come through, and that's that's a huge. There are about 9,000 tickets that are written every year. Wow. Um, so one deputy clerk that handles all 9,000 of those tickets. <laughs> Goodness. Um, and then, of course, you know, you have your General Sessions Civil, and there are currently three deputy clerks in there. That has probably been the most shocking court. They're just uh, that court's exploded with the volume and the quantity of cases that are coming through there. And unfortunately, I don't see uh, cases decreasing. I don't think so. I don't think so. We What we've seen is a trend of things uh, growing, you know, an, in number. And so I think we'll probably see that increase again. And we see our jails over capacity as well. They and are. That, that capacity is not decreasing either so you your volume of uh, people being booked in the jail and volume of cases at the justice center 
There's a lot of traffic that goes. I think seventy thousand people come through the. Justice yeah, it's Center. not uncommon. I think the the gentleman there, the sheriff's department has the uh, charged with responsibility of security of the courthouse or the justice center, and through those metal detectors there, we pass about seventy to seventy seven thousand people. That's a lot of people coming through one building in a year. This is trending. I'm Ben Rogers visiting with Circuit Court Clerk in Putnam County, Jennifer Wilkerson. Nine courts. Uh, something we don't often hear about is probate. And Judge Steve Walls, I believe, handles probate. That's right, he does. And tell us about probate. I, and and just as a commissioner, some, some my citizens will actually ask me court questions, and I know some through my job and through talking with you. But I don't know everything about the courts. I I don't know every time where, what court they'll be in or what they should do or what they should expect. What happens in probate? So probate is uh, probably it, it. Those cases are a little bit more complex, right? You're dealing with something where there's. Uh, could have been a death in the family, and maybe there's bills owed or money that's owed. Um, for instance, if you have someone who's been in the nursing home for a period of time and and they're, they've incurred some expenses, um, if those bills can't be paid, then there may be some liens or things that are filed, in, uh, or TennCare may say, hey, look, we need some um, to be paid for to, to reimburse for the time that they've been in the nursing home. And so something may be filed in probate court in order to um, take care of those those bills. So it's it's a large court. There's a lot going on in there, wills, deaths, yeah. those kinds of things. I was things. about to say, that's not a quiet court. It's not. Judge Qualls also handles other things besides probate, correct? He does. Judge Qualls does um, some juvenile things. Typically, Judge Hudson handles those, but he does do some juvenile things. He does the divorce cases in general sessions domestic, and he handles general sessions civil. Those are your lawsuits under $10,000, and he handles all those. He He's a very busy guy. He's got a lot going on. And I want to, as we said, want to inform the people of their judges as well. Uh, of course, Judge Qualls, you mentioned Judge Hudson. Yeah, the other general session judges, who are they? So you have uh, General Sessions Judge Qualls and General Sessions Judge Hudson here in Putnam County, and they divide up the general sessions um, docket. So that would be your domestic, which is your divorce, mm-hmm. your criminal cases, those civil cases, and they also do the juvenile. And Judge McKenzie's our criminal. You actually have several criminal. You have Judge McKenzie, Judge Bray, who's newly appointed. Yes, Judge uh, Patterson just retired. He did, yes. Good career. So yeah. we have a brand new judge, for those that don't know, Wesley Bray. And you and I know Wesley, and you've known him a while. Uh, it's going to do a good job there. But they're criminals well. Um, then you also have your um, court your, that handled Judge Jonathan Young, who does some criminal stuff. Mm-hmm. He does your DUI dockets, and then he does um, some of the circuit civil cases. And then Judge Amy Hollers, who also hears uh, circuit civil cases. So we have the courts. Everybody's uh, hope. Hopefully, you're not familiar with your judges, but if you're not now, <laughs> now you know who they are and where they go. How much time do you actually spend in the courtroom uh, on average during the day? Well, I think that's a matter of preference for clerks um, and depending upon how you're going to lead. For me personally, I'm very hands-on. I like to be involved. I think it's important for me to be there and be supportive to my staff, but also the people elected me to do a job. And I think it's they want to see that I'm going to be in there rolling up my sleeves, working alongside. So at any given day, you may see me um, in three, four different courts in any day. And you're in court, but you also have to be in the office. I do. Because there's going to be attorneys come in want to talk to you and ask questions or individual citizens and citizens as well because and that's really the big part you're providing a public service to citizens we'll talk about jury duty later but you know you get a phone a lot of phone calls on that 
but your other employees that don't get out of the office that are there, you got your bookkeeper, right. uh, chief deputy. She's usually staying in the office as well. Yeah. Uh, she's not much in the courtroom. So you're responsible for 26 employees. You're responsible for being in court. I don't know how you manage it. Well, it is it is a lot, but we have a lot of great folks and people who have a lot of experience and understand their jobs very well. So I'm I'm blessed. I'm very fortunate to have all the folks that I have in my office. You neighbor, uh, Miss Linda Reader, or Clark and Master. Do you and Miss Reader have to work uh, and together on a lot, or is it really two separate things? You know, it's an interesting question. It is two separate courts, and so they operate independently from each other. But Miss Reader and I have a very good relationship, and, and I like to call her my friend. She sure. She's really been great. She has provided a lot of assistance to me. If I have questions or I have things that I want to know, I can go to her and ask her. She has a lot of experience. Um, so while the courts are very different and they're independent, if you have something that's um, sort of a strange scenario or something, and I'm trying to problem solve to figure out where what I need to do or where to file it or what where we we're going to go with it. She's been a good resource for me. Do you help the judges schedule? I don't their- typically do their schedules, but we do maintain the dockets. So that's when people look at scheduling, that's what they're thinking is those dockets. So yes, my office coordinates and works alongside them to make sure that those cases are making it on the docket that we don't um, drop anything through the cracks. Wow. Um, folks, if you just want to see some crazy action and, and a lot of volume, go to the Justice Center. I hope you don't have to go for other reasons, but what's, what they do is very important for our county. The revenue side of it is you, you have those people at the windows receiving that money, uh, and that supplements your budget, and they really actually supplements other budgets because it's all going into one big pile. It's not restricted. Well, some things are, but most of the money is not restricted. So it's a busy area. It's very vital. It's by Constitution we have you. We're going to talk a little bit more about some of the services that you provide in the next segment. This has been Rogers. This is Trending. I'm visiting with Putnam County Circuit Court Clerk Jennifer Wilkerson. Trending now, the Putnam County Circuit Court Clerk's Office does so much more than clerking for the courts. Here today to tell us about jury duty selection, issuing passports, and other services is Jennifer Wilkerson, our Circuit Court Clerk in Putnam County. One thing I failed to mention that's different in Putnam County is – Probate and juvenile. We talked about probate. Some counties, it's across Tennessee's different. Some counties handle those courts differently. Probate and juvenile may fall under a clerk and master in one county, or it may fall under a county clerk. That's and correct. When people think about county clerk, they think about, well, that's where I go pay my, my renewal for my tags on my car, mm-hmm. or that's where I go get a title. Um, marriage license. Marriage license. Mm-hmm. That's what they think about county clerk, but at one time in Putnam County, our county clerk had probate and juvenile. That's correct. And that changed, we think, nine to ten years ago, we believe. Right, somewhere in that time frame. So that was another thing added on to your office at that time that, you know, had to make a transition. One thing that people commonly ask about, um, and you see people in your office for, are passports. That's right. And that kind of... It kind of blows my mind that people have to come to the circuit court clerk, or they don't have to, I guess, but they do come to circuit court to get a passport. Mm-hmm. How how's that process for you? I know um, I renewed mine online. Mine expired back in last year, so I had to go. I had to get so I renewed mm-hmm. mine online. But you see a lot. Is that a lot of traffic in your office every day? It is a huge amount of traffic, um, and so passports are sort of it's it's an option for us. We it's something that you know we've made we've made the choice to continue to do those passports. Uh, it does increase the volume or the traffic of people who are coming through there, but it also being a acceptance agency, which is what we are, if we, we will go over and help 
assist folks filling out those applications, getting their documents together. That doesn't mean that they're going to be granted that uh, that actually comes through um, a different agency, right? right? right. So we don't have any control over whether they're going to get the passport or not, but it is a very complicated process. And so having the correct documentation, making sure they're very stringent on the way that you're filling out those applications and getting all of your, your things together. And so that's what being an acceptance agency is about, is having that knowledge and that training to know how to make that happen. So that's a choice for us, and we choose to be able to provide that service for the for the community. So if a citizen wants to come get a passport from your office, what do they need to have when they show up? So if you are an adult, you have to have the original birth certificate, and which means it has to have the seal on it. Uh, the they will not take a copy of that. So they're going to make you turn in that original. You'll have to have your driver's license. Um, if you have an existing passport, we're going to need you to bring that existing passport with you if you're renewing. Um, if you're a juvenile, it changes things a little bit. They're a little bit more stringent on that. You and of course, you're also going to have to have the picture. So they're pretty specific about those so requirements. You're not taking pictures. Well, our office does not take those okay. at this time. There is a gentleman who is in the lobby that is not associated with the clerk's office, but he does provide that service, and he can take okay. those photos. Okay. And that was just a matter of convenience right. for for the citizens when they're coming in. For juveniles, it changes. If you're under the age of 15, both parents have to be present physically there when they're filing those applications. Uh, And we have to see their driver's license to see that they are there. And again, still a requirement of the birth certificate being the original. Uh, The juvenile uh, has to sign the passport. They have to have the photos and all those things. They are very strict about when you're filling out those applications. If you make no bloop ink whatsoever uh they which is odd mm-hmm. uh, in the legal field you tend to issue things and do things in blue because it's easy to determine which is the original however the passport agencies they want you to do it in black ink okay. if there's any errors on there we have to take those applications give them back to the folks ask them to refill them out again uh they don't allow you to make mistakes and scribble on the form or do any of those they'll that's just an automatic denial for that both parents have to be present for juveniles it's correct what if a parent is out of state? It's really difficult. And and I got to tell you, I've had folks who've come in and their sure. ID is a different name than what was on their birth certificate due to an adoption or due to some other circumstances. Right. And so that becomes tricky. And there are things that we have to do to try to help give them a, some suggestions on how they would So your proceed. office is helping those people mitigate that process if there's maybe a difference uh, in birth certificate to ID or, or there's a parent not a, that's not around. I mean, when I say not around, maybe they moved off and they're they're gone. Mm-hmm. You're trying to help with that. And that that takes time as well. And that's it's a, a service. Yeah. It's it is it's a lengthy process. I, you know, to fill out each passport. You know, we have families who come in, large families, 6, 7 in their family and uh you know, you, you may spend an hour doing just that one family trying to complete those passport. You're listening to Trending. This is Ben Rogers. I'm joined today by Jennifer Wilkerson, our circuit court clerk in Putnam County. Passports are a busy process, something near and dear to a lot of people's hearts, jury duty. I don't know if I would say near and dear. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was actually talking to a friend uh, not long ago, uh, my friend Tad. He uh, actually is a veteran, and mm-hmm. his daughter was recently called for jury duty, and I think you met her, and she wasn't complaining. She just didn't know about it. She mm-hmm. had never been called. She's 21. She's a student at the University of Tennessee, and Tad's response to her was, you think of it this way, it's something he heard, and I, I, I want to stick with me, 
be jury duty is a one of the most patriotic things you can do other than serving your country of course mm-hmm. it's like the second most patriotic thing you can do for your country and I, I he put a good positive spin on that for her and actually for me if i ever get called so i know it seems like oh man i got called for jury duty but it's actually a service so if you're not in public service if you're not in the military, that's a way to serve. So maybe mm-hmm. it's a, a, a calling or maybe it's a blessing if you see it that way. But it is a process. It is a process. And I don't even understand the whole process. I've not been called for jury duty yet. Um, and that surprises me. My wife has. I've not. So if, if somebody gets, they get a notice in the mail, mm-hmm. they've been called to show up for jury duty. Tell us about that process. Well, first of all, I don't, in the year that I've been there, I have not had encountered one person who told me that they did cartwheels or got super excited to receive a jury summons. <laughs> <I'm sure. laughs> so nobody is super excited about it. But I think what, what most people have found is that the process is not as cumbersome as what it used to be. Years ago, jurors had spent hours upon hours and they may be sequestered. Now that could still happen. There could be an opportunity that they would be sequestered or needed, but it's very rare. It's not something that happens often. And the process now, what we, what I tell jurors is you're here for about six to eight weeks. And when I say here, that just means you're going to continue on with your daily life, doing the things that you need to do. Um, The judges are really great. They're very amicable. We have probably the best group of people that we um, have had in a, you know, that I can ever remember collectively. Right. Uh, they're, they're really wonderful. They work with folks. They are, they understand that they have lives and they have families. And so they're, they're uh, accommodating and they, we try to help get you excused or work around the things that you have going on. So that's number one. Jury service is not as bad as what people think it is. Right. What most people find when they come in, um, it, the key is working with me, just staying in contact with me. I can help you work around the things that you have. Uh, most of the folks will come in on the initial day that they're summonsed. They'll be placed in a group, what we it's called a panel mm-hmm. by the judge. And then after they're assigned, we will they'll go on about their business and they'll call in or they'll check a website. Uh, and that's something that I've started new is a mass notification. We can talk about that. But they'll go on with their daily lives and they will check in to see when their group or when their panel is being called in. So most folks serve on the initial day. And maybe once after that, sometimes twice. And a lot of folks look up and never have to come back again. And the excuse some people may say is I have a job. is That's not an excuse because by law, the, their boss let, has to let them off work to serve on jury duty. That's correct. So and that's, that's a difficult one. Right. And that's, I mean, your job may be busy, but that's really not an excuse. Of course, it's up to the judge. So the judges rotate uh, when, when, when they select jurors. They rotate. It's just not one judge every time. Is That's it? right. And so jurors are called in that we summons jurors in seven times a year uh, and they serve about six to eight weeks on an average. Now, sometimes that's a little longer, uh, but a lot of times it's, it can even be shorter than that. Uh, again, they're not there every day, but those judges will rotate and they can either be called for a criminal trial or for a civil. So each of those juries can be used for either one. So the six to eight weeks is your your jury, uh, your trial jury. Uh, there is another jury out there. That's right. The That's grand right. jury. And the grand jury is, when I was growing up, uh, I used to think of the grand jury. I didn't know the difference. The grand jury is the big jury that hears the big cases. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not the case. They're actually deciding if something goes to goes further than uh, if somebody's indicted. Right. So the grand jury, how long could you serve on the grand jury? Well, again, that's a term of a few months, uh, and they'll lay those terms out. But what happened, you know, the difference between the grand jury and the jury, they're both just – 
uh, average everyday citizens uh, like you and I, uh, the difference is is that the grand jury is looking at cases to determine if there's enough probable cause uh, to move forward with with criminal charges. Um, whereas regular jurors, which would be called pettit jury, right. would be those people are hearing jury trials. So a defendant or someone has already been charged in a case or a civil action has already been filed and the regular jurors or the pettit jurors then are listening to the facts of that case to determine an outcome. And the number on the grand jury is more than what's on a regular jury, correct? Well, or does it depend? It de- so a regular jury or a pettit jury could have anywhere from 6 to 12. And right. so that will depend upon what the judge or what those attorneys see fit for that. Um, sometimes they'll select alternates as well. And then on your grand jury, you have 12. You have then your grand jury foreman, who is your 13th juror. And then you also have some alternates in that. So if there were people who had some illness or had something that's gone up, they would also have a couple alternates as well. Good deal. Good information. That's why I have her here today. She's educating not only me, uh, but educating you as well. Training today is the Putnam County Circuit Court Clerk's Office. It's one of the most active county offices in the county. We've discussed about those services. We'll continue next segment with Jennifer Wilkerson to discuss what changes are being made or have been made and what she looks to change going forward. The Putnam County Circuit Court Clerk's Office continues to grow. That is what's trending today. I'm Ben Rogers. Jennifer Wilkerson joins me to discuss the changes that have been made in her first year in office and what services she may be looking to make more efficient going forward. Jennifer, when you came into office uh, September of last year, you already had a budget given to you. I did. You didn't have any input in that budget because you officially were not in office when the budget was passed. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, really, by law, you don't have the right to have input in that budget. But the budget was set in July of that of 18. You come in in September. You have this budget in front of you. You're familiar with budgets because you had to manage one at the Child Advocacy Center. And it's a different kind of budget, but you had to manage one. And you're looking at the budget. Did anything stick out to you as a surprise or a question mark or, you know, I know you called me probably a couple months in. What is, you know, look at the budget. Anything shock you about county budgeting? Well, it's a, county government is a little bit different, okay, than the world I came from. The world, it, it, there's a lot of similarity, but there's a lot of differences. Um, so just, I don't want to say shock me, but there were probably a few things that I had to ask a couple questions about what's the proper procedure on how we're going to move forward with this. Because again, county government's a little different than the nonprofit world that where I came from. And you are right. I had a great deal of experience. I understand large budgets really well, um, not only as my time as the executive director of our CAC. Uh, and while we had, I'd like to say that was a large budget, it probably wasn't. It was really more of a smaller budget. But I was the chairman for the state of Tennessee, the chapter of Child Advocacy Centers. And so that was um, that was working very closely with large budgets. And so I did have a lot of experience that I could bring in there in different, different avenues. Um, so I don't think anything's shocking to me, but there were a few things that the process was different. And so just um, understanding how to proceed and how to move forward with certain things. And I can attest being the budget committee chairman this year, uh, your budget did not go up. You you kept with what it was last year other than step raises. And luckily our Correct. employees received step raises this year. Um, capital needs in your office. And I mentioned how busy it is. I've been in there several times to visit with you or other people. It's a crowded you know, you have 26 people in your office. Now, they're not all in there at the same time all the time. Uh, you have people in the courtrooms, but it's still crowded. It's busy. It can, with that many people, it can be a little loud, but it's, you know, it's pretty quiet if you look at what's going on. We have discussed 
bigger facilities for not only the jail, but for all the courts and for your office and the clerk and master. I know that's needed. That doesn't come out of your budget, actually. That will come out of the county's budget. But hopefully uh, your space will grow in the next few years. And I'm sure your employees will grow, too, because your services you're providing, they're not decreasing. You've made some changes. I have. In tw- less than 12 months, you've made some good changes. Um, you're trying to be more efficient. What are some of those changes that have been important, not only that you see, but to those citizens coming in to your office? Um, and so when I talk about changes, first of all, I, you know, I was really, really fortunate. I had a predecessor who had a really good, uh, had laid a great foundation and she had uh, put a lot of time in a lot of work in that in that office, especially particularly with the budget. And I was really lucky. I didn't have to make a lot of change to that budget. Now, I reallocated uh, money in different line items for for different things is what my vision would be. But right. I was able to, um, you know, she had laid a great foundation sure. with that budget. When you look at changes uh, in the office, for me, one of the things that I said early on is that I wanted to focus on accessibility of the office and increasing uh, efficiency and also technology. Um, and, you know, that's that's difficult because you have a lot going on in that office and um, change is difficult for everybody. Sure. So the first thing that I did was work on cross training for employees. When you have so many different courts and you have so many different things going on, there were out of the the 26 employees there are a lot of people who have been there for 20 plus years 25 years they have a lot of knowledge they have a lot of skills they have a lot of things they can bring but they weren't familiar with other courts they were very familiar with the job that they were doing and the things they had done for the last 20 years but not necessarily with other positions and so what we're seeing with the increase of cases that are coming into the court system and with the volume that we're seeing, it's important to cross-train folks so that if someone is sick or they're out for uh, a, an extended period of time, someone else can pick up and they can move on. The office doesn't need to shut down. Right. That's good. One of the other changes, the mass communication Yes. with the jury uh, not- notification, I should say. How did that come about? So, you know, I'm super excited about this mass notification system. Um, when I came into office, since I've been in it about a year, I think you and I have talked about this a couple of different times. Um, I We summons seven different groups. Now, keep in mind, and any time, 350 to 400 people at a time that are being summoned for jury duty. Communicating with the, that amount of people is really difficult because they're managing nine courts. We're having to make sure that there's jurors available for each trial that's going on at any given time. Um, and so getting that word out there was really hard. The other thing, we kept having difficulties. We were having tech issues with some of the uh, current technology that we had. Uh, so the phone system would go down and jurors were calling and couldn't get on the hotline and receive information. Uh, and it was really stressful for me. If there was a power outage, that would go down and we had no idea what was happening. So I had to sit down and reevaluate and figure out how do we get this information out? So Facebook is a great tool for us. I know that people use it for a lot of different things, sure. but social media is becoming more and more a part of our everyday life. It is. So I've uh, taken to social media, but I've also used a system that the county already had in place that we have a mass notification and I am starting to use that mass notification. So now we, starting this week, we're starting to send jurors text messages to say, these panels are going to be called in on this day, or uh, you won't need to call and check back in. It's just a matter of sharing information, helping jurors be more prepared so that, again, they can accommodate their schedules. So how many phone calls a day 
do you get about jury duty? Oh, goodness. When do I need to be there? What do I need to do? <laughs> Roughly, give me a number. Well, okay. So if I if we've summoned in a jury, it could it's not uncommon for me to come in and get anywhere from forty voicemail messages or phone calls that morning to eighty three. I've had as many as like eighty three. Wow. So this mass communication probably will eliminate some of those calls. Um because you're notifying them directly, right? And it's not inconvenience them; it's uh, the message, or and it's there when they want to check it. So mm-hmm. that'll help out. Maybe the office will be a little bit more efficient because they're not taking so many phone calls, or you're not taking phone because you respond to those phone calls yourself. I do myself personally. Yeah. yeah, I think it's important again because I'm there. I want people to know that I'm invested in that process sure. with them. Sure. I think also it's important to put it in context. So in our office, we handle around roughly 250 to 300 regular phone calls, and that just is the phone calls that are coming into the regular primary number of the office but the jurors are given my direct line to my office so they're not calling that regular line they're calling my office directly speaking to me and so those 40 to 83 calls voicemails that i'm getting each day that's solely just from those jurors to my direct line that's public service at its best you made some good changes what changes would you like if possible you got three years still you know in this term uh what would you like to see in that office you know again i talked a lot about um my intention was to increase accessibility and efficiency in the workflow of the office i did that already with the debit cards and the credit cards accepting those now we weren't able to do that before um but we were also able to update all the audio recording system and so when i look back over that the changes that we've made thus far i think that we still have a few a little bit more ways to go for that um, I'm looking at a payment kiosk again a lot of a lot of the reason I think that we don't col- some of the money we don't collect it's difficult for people to get there county offices close at four o'clock mm-hmm. um, and so it's difficult most folks work until five or they're after hours or they may be working other things have other things going on so we're going to have some payment kiosk outside that they're going to be able to come in uh, at any time and pay on their case uh, we're also, I'm looking at a video conferencing system. So this is not something we talked a lot about you and I, but, um, also those arrest warrants are coming out of our office, uh, in the daytime. And so those folks are called judicial commissioners, right. um, that, that some of those are employed in our office and it's in order for them to write an arrest warrant, they have to gather the facts and to determine if there's enough that they can write an arrest warrant, um, on that case. But it goes a little farther. They're also setting a bond, right? This uh, the the law says that every person, every defendant has is bailable, right? They right. have the opportunity to, to bond out, sure. and so those judicial commissioners then would be setting bond, and so we have to have the opportunity that we can interview those defendants or ask certain questions to determine what's the likelihood they're going to come to court or show up. And so this video conferencing will help us be able to do that in a safe way, um, um, safely for our judicial commissioners. And so that's something we're looking at. That's nice. So uh, hopefully people are, see how busy you are. <laughs> Let's. I want to try something different in this show. I, okay. I want people to get to know a little bit more about the, my guest. Five questions. Uh, first one, other than spending time with your family, what is your favorite thing to do? Okay, I think you know the answer to this, but uh, I love the water. I love the water of all kinds, but my probably my favorite place on earth is to be on the lake. And any activity that's on the water, is that's my favorite. So you're, you're a water baby. I am, okay. definitely. Uh, do you have any pets? I'm a, I'm a big pet guy. I don't know how many people know, but I have two dogs. My wife and I have two dogs. I love dogs. I love pets. I love animals in general. Do you have any pets? I do. I have two pets. Um, 
I have a Labrador Retriever who is retired service animal, and I used him at the Child Advocacy Center to work with children who had to go to court and testify about things that had happened to them. So nice. he he would he was a courthouse dog. He would sure. go to court if needed, but primarily he spent most of his time just there working with kids at the advocacy center. He's now retired. He lives with me and my family. He's just uh, lounging around getting. Uh, eating snacks, but <laughs> sounds uh, like sounds like a lot. Yeah, uh, I actually going to have to time for one more. What do you enjoy the most about being circuit court clerk? The people. The people. I love helping people. That's uh, that's why we're here. That's why we're mm-hmm. public servants. Jennifer, thank you. I hope uh, our listeners have learned a lot today about your office. And uh, welcome back anytime. I'd love to have you back sometime. I want to thank my producer Will and join us next week Friday morning at eight a.m. for the next edition of Trending.